Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. Okay, so I want to start by, by telling you, besides that I'm not on, uh, that people... Because of the way we're built, and, and, I, and I think I have to do this because last week as I was looking out over the congregation, I told you that this was a difficult and deep message to grasp, and I, I understand that. How many of you struggled with it last week? Anybody? Yeah, there's a lot there, isn't there? Okay, so here's the thing. Let, let, me, let me go at this another way. Ronald Reagan was, was uh, famous for doing this. Let me put it another way. Who remembers that? Yeah, and he said the exact same thing he said two minutes before, but somehow you got it that time. And, and, and here's the thing, people, no matter who they are, no matter how they've br- been brought up, no matter what they had as a family, what they didn't, and, and we look at that a lot, okay? And we make excuses for ourselves if we believe that we had less in a family atmosphere than somebody else did. And, and everybody probably knows someone in school or as you were growing up that wished they had a family like yours. And somebody else probably is in the other way and wish they had a family like somebody else's. It's just the way we are because no one knows what you're going through, nor can we understand what the other is going through. We only know what is. Either we were happy with our, our childhood and upbringing or we weren't, or somewhere in between. I've known some people that said, I wouldn't trade my childhood for anything. I love my childhood. And somebody else said, I wouldn't go back to it. For, for all, the, all the money in the world. That's just the way life is. And friends, I can't change what's already passed. God can't change what's already passed. But it can change where you are now and where you're going. And I'm grateful that he did that for me. Does that make any sense to anybody? And the fact of the matter is, Everybody is built with this sense of belonging, a desire to belong to something or someone. Now, there are people out there that will say to you, I don't care about that. That's false. That's a lie. And, and, and if, if they don't believe it, they're lying to themselves because we're, we're built with this innate desire to belong. And when we don't, we hurt. When we're betrayed by family members or people we thought we could trust, we hurt. And when we see something that's better than what we have and we can't have it, we hurt. But we aspire to it. Sometimes our parents teach us how to be. And sometimes they teach us how not to be. 
And that, friends, is what this message is based upon. You see, all of us, if we're Christians, belong to the house of God. And the house of God isn't just a building. That's the point. And so we're going to review briefly what we talked about last week, and then we're going to go into the last two points of this sermon. And if you have your Bibles, I want to read the, the Scripture again, 1 Timothy chapter 3. The Apostle Paul has written a letter to Timothy, his protege, and he is basically giving Timothy an attaboy as well as a kick of the seat in the pants. And he's telling him, you can do this. Why? Because Paul has gotten word that since he set Timothy over these churches to be their pastor, Timothy's telling people, I can't do it. He might even be telling people, I don't want to do it. And Paul's saying, well, you're going to do it, and you can. You see, it isn't up to me, Timothy. It's not up to you. God has determined that you are the person. And let me tell you something, friends. Nobody, and I don't care who they are, was ready to pastor a church when they were so appointed. They might have thought they were, but they weren't. And the people might not have thought they were, but they were. Why? Because if God put them there, then they're ready, even when you're not. Does that make sense? And so this is what Paul is trying to tell Timothy. And so he says, although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves. Now, friends, most people have an idea that they know how to conduct themselves in church. But did you know that I could start over here with Pastor Chris and go all the way up and down through all the pews, and I would ask you, tell me what you think is proper for conduct in the house of God? And I would get a different answer from just about everybody. It's a fact. I'll go you one better. You could go from church to church, and you'll get a different answer. There are churches out there that are wide open. People are up on the platform with, with shorts and T-shirt and little else. You go to another one and people are dressed up in suits and ties and, you know, uh, hair up and hat on maybe for the ladies. And uh, wearing a, it, it varies from church to church based on your theological belief system. And I would venture to say that there are people in churches today that look at others in the congregation and think they could do better than that. And the same is true that people will look at those who are looking at them and say, you're too stiff in your thoughts. Right? I actually had not an argument, but a, a, a discussion with a lady at the bank one time who attends a, uh, shall we, and I'm not going to tell you who or what, uh, let's just say that the church that she attends uh, is much more rigid. They're more of a Pentecostal church and they're very rigid. And women are never allowed to wear pants, period. That's what she told me. Because my pastor said so, and I said, good, he's wrong. Of course, that went over, you know, real well. And she said, well, that's what he said. I said, he might. And I said, here's the thing. I don't think it matters if you wear pants or a skirt. 
I think that we ought to know how to conduct ourselves in the house of God. And the house of God isn't just a sanctuary. It's a building. The house of God is way bigger than that. You see? So understand that just because you think something doesn't think someone else does. And the fact of the matter is, and, and, and this is what I'm going to go on, if you can show me in the Word of God where it says that women are to wear skirts and not pants, then I'll, I'll listen. And she said, well, I'm sure it's in there. And I said, I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's not. But I'm not going to debate this with you. Why? Because it really doesn't matter. If you want to wear a skirt because it makes you feel like you're conducting yourself properly in the house of God, then you do that. But on the same token, I'm going to ask you to do something that Christ would ask you to do, and that's not condemn a lady who comes in who has pants on. Okay? And she just looked at me, because that's not what she thought I was going to say. Don't condemn someone who walks in with pants on. Let God do the convicting, if that's the case. Just be happy that they're there. And she said, well, that, that's, he, my pastor would probably say that. Yeah, I know he would, because I know him. Okay. So the fact of the matter is, friends, we've got to get past and beyond here. But that doesn't give us a license to be anything or any way we want when we're in the house of God. Okay? Because I think we can all give God better. What do you think? In our dress, in our conduct, in our listening, and in our actions afterwards. Because the house of God is more than the sanctuary. In fact, the house of God is God's household in the spiritual realm. And the question is, what's a household? Well, it's whatever you make it. Like I told you before, everybody's household is different, but it's still a household. Right? There are, there, every church out there is a household of God, even though they're different. You might not be comfortable in their household, and they may not be comfortable here, but they're the household of God, if God says they are. If they are Bible-believing, if they believe in the Trinity, right? And they believe that there's no other God besides Him. And they know that you have to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior in order to be saved. I would say that they're a Christian church. That's the household of God. The other things, do they matter? Eh, they might. But let's get down to the basics, amen? Isn't that what Jesus is talking about? So personal preference really has no play here. It's the same thing in your home. You might not raise your children the way your parents did. Does that make you wrong? It might, but it might not. Again, God determines what's right and what's not. God determines what kind of a parent you ought to be. Unfortunately, we're not doing it the way God says you should. And I can prove that. Because parents are trying to live their lives through their children and trying to be their friend versus their parent. That doesn't work. Never has. But that's a sermon for another day. I've given that in a time or two, too. Probably going to get it again. But here's the deal, okay? The household of God is the household of God. And if you're saved, you're in it. It doesn't matter what building you go to on Sunday morning. If you're in the household of God. 
And since the household of God is the house of God in the spiritual realm, then it can't really be a material building. That means regardless of what building you're in on a Sunday morning, you're still in the spiritual realm with God. Somehow we've gotten this idea, and other churches have gotten this idea, that if you don't attend or do things like our church does it, that you're not there. I think God's bigger than that. What do you think? I think God's way bigger than that. You know, there's a joke that used to go around years and years and years ago. We, we did it on ourselves as a Wesleyan church, and other churches do it too. You know, uh, somebody went to heaven, and they met St. Peter, and St. Peter uh, showed them around heaven, you know, and, and they tiptoed past one door, and he kept tiptoeing past it, and he kept saying, shh. And people said, well, who's in there? And St. Peter said, well, that's where the Wesleyans are, and they think they're the only ones here. And you could put any, any denomination you want on, a, on, that, on that moniker. I, I, we laugh about it, but you know what? I think that some churches believe that they're going to be the only ones there. I, I think we're going to be sorely surprised of who's there and who's not. What do you think? You know why? Because we don't determine that. God does. I mean, we do to a point. If you live your life properly... I would say you're going to be there. You see, this, this concept of family in the spiritual realm is found throughout the New Testament. And I know that all of us are feeling all warm and fuzzy inside hearing about this <clears throat> because we love the idea of belonging to something. We love the idea of being in heaven for eternity. Every, every, everybody wants that. I want that. You want that. Everybody I've ever known wants that. And if they say they don't, then they don't know what it is then. And they certainly don't know the alternative. Agreed? But everybody feels all warm and fuzzy when they feel like they've made it. But there's something you have to understand because being part of a family, any family, brings with it a certain amount of responsibility. Sometimes it's just the name. Sometimes it's who the family is. Sometimes it's traditional. Sometimes it's prideful. But either way, it brings a responsibility. I remember a couple years ago, people were uh, picking on President Obama's kids based on what some of them were doing. And, of course, people based on the political aisle either jump to defend or jump to condemn. And you know my thought about that? Here's the thing. It's true that they're just kids. But who they are depends on how they were raised. And what might be right for one family isn't right for another. That's the parents' rules. That's the way it works. But whether they like it or not, they're part of the president's family, and that they can't change. And because they are, that brings with it a certain responsibility. Whether they chose it or not doesn't matter. And I would say that regardless of who's in the White House, because it's true. People say, is that true about pastor's family? Sure it is. Now, I can't control what my kids do or don't do. And I can be the best parent in the world and do everything right, and they still might be screwed up when they, when they grow up. And it's that way in any household, isn't it? I know that you know parents that did everything they could with kids, but the kids didn't turn out very well. And they, and they treated all the kids the same, and some of them treated out, turned out well, and some of them didn't. Why? Because we have this thing called free will. And everybody's going to determine what's right or wrong. And there are parents out there today that did everything they could, and their kids are saying the same thing because they didn't like it. 
and they will raise their kids differently than their parents did, even though the parents were probably right. And there's an awful lot of parents raising kids right, and an awful lot of parents not raising kids right. And sometimes you've got to change based on the kid. You can't, you can't treat every kid in your household the same. You know why? Because they respond differently. And if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about, right? But here's the thing. We're still part of the household of God if you belong to Him. And that's the main thing. Anyone who is spiritually righteous is in the household of God. It doesn't matter what church building you attend, you're part of the household of God. And if you aren't spiritually righteous, my guess is you aren't in the household of God. Now, I don't get to determine that. God does. But He is the one that says yes or no, isn't He? He's the one that determines whether you're a sheep or a goat. He's the one that determines whether you're saved or not. He's the one that determines if your life reflects a Christian lifestyle or not. You don't get to determine that. And guess what? Your neighbor doesn't either. In fact, if all of us would look at the Scripture and never take our eyes off of it, I think we'd be more in agreement. The problem with it is we want to guess what Christianity is without being in the Word of God sometimes. And you know what happens when you do that? Human intervention and human thought plays into it. And what we think or feel becomes Christian or not. That's dangerous. And sometimes churches take certain positions of authority that they cannot, and they make rules that don't belong there. I've seen that too. And some churches don't have enough. What it boils down to is where's your heart? Who's got that? Who's got the key to your heart? Isn't that what really counts? If it's God, then I would say that you're on the road regardless of where you are on it. And we're all on different parts of the road, but being on is the most important thing, yes or no? And some people, unfortunately, have given the key to the heart to somebody else. Even if they don't know it, they've done it. And so the question is, well, how do you know? And like I said last week, God has no illegitimate children. God has none. God has no ill... We might as people, but God doesn't. Because every single person that has accepted Christ as their personal Savior belongs to God until they lose it. You're in the household of God. And yes, when humanity tells me that every human is God's child, that's false. Because the Bible doesn't say that. In fact, it says just the opposite. Every human is God's creation. But it's not God's child. You're only God's child when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and come back into God's family. Now you're God's child. That's a child of God. Does the world want to tell us that? Do they want to believe that? No. Because everybody wants to think that because God created them that they're just going to have salvation. No, you have to choose it. Isn't that what Jesus came to do, convince people that they needed to choose it? Of course it is. Because if that weren't true, then why did Jesus come? There'd be no reason. I can't explain it any better than that. No pastor can explain it any better than that. Because that's the long and short of the truth.
We become part of God's household as a son or daughter of God in the spiritual realm by new birth and being born again. That's, that's it. That's how you do it. Now, we could talk all day about what that means. I'd like to think that most people understand it. Maybe they don't. I don't know. And if you don't, make an appointment. I'll see you to it that you do. But here's the thing, friends. What else is the house of God? See, this is, this is where we have to go now because it's not just the building. It's not just being part of God's family. It's way more than that. It's deeper than that. And everybody in here needs to understand it. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. I don't care how smart you are or how not so smart you think you are. That's the best way I can put it. But the fact of the matter is everybody can get this and they should. Because God wouldn't put it out there if we couldn't understand it. The house of God is also the church of the living God. That's what it is. And so here's the other question. What is the church of God? <laughs> because, again, there's, there's a different flavor on every corner. People are even splitting away from churches when they don't like what's going on to make their own. In fact, we're doing too much of that. Why? Because we're nonconformists, self-centered. And entitled, even in the spiritual realm. In other words, I'm going to worship God and make a church my way. <laughs> and I'm not saying that that's always a bad thing, but sometimes it's not a good thing. You see, the word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia. Ekklesia. E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. Ekklesia. That's the Greek word. And it means called out. We're good at calling people out, aren't we? God's better. Every one of you was called out. Called out of what? Out of the life you were in. Out of death. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? God called us out of the death we deserved into the life eternal. That's what makes up the church. It means that the church of the living God is composed of those who've been called out. We've been called out of the world, too. Because if you're called out of death, you're called out of the world because the world is death. This earth, this earth is going to pass away. God said that it would. And anybody who remains in it is in serious trouble. Jesus said that those who refused to be called out of it belong to their father, Satan. That's a scary thing. You can't live in both worlds, friends. A lot of Christians are trying, though. And I wonder how patient God's going to be with that. Not up to me. Not up to you. It's up to God. Always has been. Always will be. Now, here's the thing. We believe in Jesus Christ by faith. Yes or no? Are you with me so far? You see, the only problem with the faith is that there is a true faith and there's a false faith. <laughs> Did you know I was going there today? There's a true faith and there's a false faith. And I know a lot of people with false faith. Um, it's unfortunate. I wish I didn't. I wish there weren't that many, but there's a lot. And unfortunately, with false faith comes false confidence. You know what I hate? 
being duped and believing a lie. Hate it. Especially when I find out it's happened. You feel like, you know, really? And Lucifer's good. He's very good. And he uses anybody to do it too. You see, people believe in lots of things. They believe in many things. But just because people believe in something doesn't make it so. Would you agree? I was uh, a number of months ago, every once in a while uh, at night, if you're watching TV a little bit late, uh, it seems to me, now, now, now it, you know, and Satan's good at this too, it seems to me, how many of you who have done, did this fast? Did the fast? Did, keep your hands up. Did you ever notice that when you're watching TV, every single commercial is about food? Yeah. Yeah. Let's help with that. Like that was, you know, and, but, but you could go before the fast, you might not, it might not be that many commercials one, one after they're like that. Don't tell me that that's just some coincidence. They know when to put ads on television. Did you know that? They've done a lot of research. A lot of money's been spent. And, uh, you know, when you get older, uh, you, you have different things in your body that don't work like they used to. Who knows that? Now, don't take this in a place I'm not going with it. <laughs> Nevertheless, there are always these little infomercials that come on that they know that if it strikes a chord of something where you're struggling, you'll take notice. And you'll like, if you're going to flip the channel, you'll stop and watch. And it's interesting to me that although the entire medical community doesn't know anything about it, somebody with a doctor's coat on says, I've made this pill and it works. <laughs> but they get me anyway. Just like they got you. And somehow they want you to believe, and I'm not saying it isn't true, but they want you to believe that they're the only ones that know the secret to this. And for $29.95, you can try it. <laughs> right? <laughs> Who's drunk the Kool-Aid? Huh? Anybody? Come on. Okay, wait a minute. Nobody cried when Old Yeller died either, right? Come on, you guys. Okay, nobody died when Old... Who, who, who cried when Old Yeller died? And who's, who's drunk the Kool-Aid on these infomercials? Oh, you didn't get that wise that fast. Okay, but the fact of the matter is, okay, right? Now, listen, I don't know if this stuff works or it doesn't. I, it doesn't really matter what it is even. Some of it, I, I don't know. Because you'll read... The opinions of people, and some will say, oh, it works great. And others will say, it didn't work at all. And here's the thing. Maybe it did work for some people. Maybe it didn't for somebody else. And maybe a lot of it's right here. You see, friends, this is, this is life. We believe a lot of things that doesn't make them so. But more than that, if you truly believe in something, it's going to show if you do or not. Hmm? Now, isn't that a fair assessment? If you really believe in something, it's going to show. I, I'm, I, I'm not going to pick on him too much, but I'm going to tell you, I can just about guarantee you, my son-in-law believes in a couple of things. 
I know that because he wears things that prove it a lot. He thinks that the Green Bay Packers are a good football team. I disagree with him, but he wears their stuff. He thinks, he thinks that the Boston Red Sox are a great baseball team. I disagree with him, but he wears them a lot. And this is what I'll give him. He's a believer. Uh, uh, there, uh, how, many, uh, how many Cub fans in here? Come on. Come. There's more than that. Some of you are like... Some of you, I don't care where you go on God's green earth, you'll find a Cub fan. I saw them all over Florida. I'm thinking, there's another team in Chicago, and it ain't the Cubs. Right? But I don't see, the, I don't see my team, ever. So once in a blue moon, I'll see him. Oh, I did see him. I saw him on a fugitive in cops one time. <laughs> but here's the thing. Either you're a believer or you're not. And here's the other thing, too. <laughs> people tend, when somebody's really good in the, in the sports world, you start seeing people cropping up with their T-shirts or their logo on. I'm, I'm a White Sox fan whether they win or lose, and lately it's a, lose a lot. I still, I still like them. I'm a true, fr- I'm a true fan. And I, was, I would suggest that your Cub fans are true fans. Anybody Yankee fan in here? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I, I saw this. They go. <laughs> but here's the deal, friends. Either you're a believer or you're not. Okay? You are or you aren't. A true believer is going to continue to wear it when their team is horrible. Because they believe that's, that's their team. I told my friend Skip Collins down here, runs Collins Automotive. You know, he's a. Uh, all his brothers are Dallas Cowboy fans. I don't understand that. And, and, and he's, he's, a, uh, he's a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I, I definitely don't understand that. But here's the deal. But I told him, how, how can you, Big Ben's, you know, he's done, man, right? And, there, and, and he said, yep, but I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. And you know, I believe he is. I, I believe him. Because he doesn't waver. No true fan does. But see, it's the same way spiritually, friends. And so, you only have faith in Jesus Christ if you're obedient to his gospel. Do you understand that? I have seen things on cars and on people that says that they're a Christian, whether it's a fish or something else, and you see what they're doing and think, <laughs> I don't know. And, and, and listen, I don't have the right to judge their heart. That's not my call. But their actions aren't proving it too much. And sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's you. But there, there's a difference. Some people, through some emotional event or something, you know, something happens and they write, you slip or fall. And some people, their life never shows it. And I'm not here to tell you which one you're in or who you are. That's up to God, see? It always has been. But I do know this. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you will be obedient to his gospel. Do you agree with that? I, I, don't, I don't know how we get away from that. More than that, friends, 
There are so many scriptures that state this that there, there are too many of them to read in this message today. 2 Thessalonians 2, Mark 16, Romans 1, 1 Corinthians 1, Hebrews 3, Galatians 1, 11, Mark 16, Romans, I mean, I mean, good night, it, it goes on and on. That's what it says. I, I, I don't even have to list them because you know what? You know I'm right. You know that this is correct. You know that if, you're, if, if you believe in Jesus Christ and you're, you're really believing Him, you will be obedient. There's gospel. There's word. So if we aren't obedient, and I, and, I, and I really think that God means completely here. I think God wants us to be completely obedient. What do you think? I mean, I, I can't lay that on you and say it's so, but to me, that's how I see it. That's, that's what he's asking. He's asking me to be completely obedient, not pick and choose when I want to be, be obedient or, or pick and choose when I don't like it. How do you read it? Come on, be honest. I think, I think he wants all of me, all the time. I mean, he's good all the time. Wouldn't it make sense that he wants us to be obedient all the time? Completely so? And if we aren't, if we pick and choose when we're going to be obedient, if you pick and choose when you want to be obedient to your parents, what does that do in the family? What did it do? You still might be their child, but there's an estrangement that takes place. Hmm? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So sometimes we'll just play the game and we'll smile and act like we're being obedient all the while, we're not. And our parents think everything is great because we can fool them. But you can't fool God. Nobody ever has. We've tried. We know it doesn't work. And you know what's really odd? Knowing what we know, we'll still try to fool God and laugh like we have somehow. But who in here really believes that you can fool God? Kind of what I thought. And here's the thing, are we really in God's family if we're trying to fool God? At what point are you not? At what point does God say, I, I, I don't know you? And at what point, it, you, when you meet him, he's going to say, I never knew you. I mean, that's in there, friends. You see? And there are people that aren't in God's family today that are some of the greatest attendants of church there are. And they even call themselves Christians because maybe they think they are. I don't, I don't know. And you know what, my friends? I know I've said it over and over again that many people in the church are going to find out that they were never part of God's family, no matter what feelings they had about it. But the fact is, making sure we are completely obedient without compromise, that's going to be the indicator whether you are or not. And I think you have to look in the mirror and say, am I really obedient to the Word of God? And, and here's the other thing. I think some people say, well, I don't, you know, I don't think God can hold me accountable to that because I don't know a lot about it. <laughs> you know how I, because somebody actually told me that before. And I said, okay, 
So let's go down this road. For, let's, let's, let's assume maybe that you're right. Maybe God, and I think it's true that God doesn't hold you accountable to things that you don't know. But God's also going to ask you, what did you do about it? What did you do to change what you didn't know? Did you really try to get to know me? That's what God wants to know. Because God asked me that question. God is not so concerned, my friends, how much of this you really know. You heard me say it. I know it's strange for a pastor to say. But let me go down this road for a second. The Bible says that the devil knows everything about it. And it doesn't really help him any. You see, just having knowledge of what's in here is not nearly as important as living what's in here. And some people don't have this amazing depth of understanding of what's in there, but what they do know, they live. What they do know, they live, and they're hungry for more. How about that? I've been on that road. Anybody with me here? I might not know it all, but what I do, I live and I want more of it. Who's there? Who wants more of that? See, that, that's, isn't that what God's looking for? God can do something with that person because they're obedient to what they do understand. And when you tell God, talk to the hand, and we have. When you don't have time to spend time in your Word to learn more, when you can't go to your Bible studies, when you refuse to sit in church like now and listen and get it, or you do like this because you don't like what the pastor said, and I, I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about anybody. Because here's what I found. You can walk into church like this, or you can walk in like this. And it doesn't matter who the speaker is, friends, you can get something because God is delivering it. Some are better orders than others. Some are more theologically inclined than others. But it doesn't matter. I've learned from people that had no theological training at all. And I've been with some that were as bright as it could be, but they were so dry. <laughs> Nothing. And sometimes it depends where you are in your walk, too. A lot of it's personal preference. But, but I do believe that if I walk in like this, God can feed me something. Because the Bible says, when you seek, you will find. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I want more of that, see. Hmm. Let's assume we're part of the family and that we're really part of the church. I'd like to think that everybody here is. You see, like the family, this designation of being part of the church of God means we're different. I think you already know that when you're a Christian, you're different than other people that aren't. Has anybody noticed that yet? Anybody work in a place where you're like the only Christian there? Who works in a place where there's other Christians, but they go to different churches and they have different ideas about what Christianity is? Yeah. I'll bet that's... Uh, Interesting conversation, isn't it? You see, the family of God is in the spiritual realm, but the church of God is here on earth. <laughs> you understand that? That's why God said be in the world but not of it, because you belong elsewhere. You're here now, temporarily, but you live there. That's where life really is. You see, that's the difference. 
Jesus made that designation for him? And why is that true? Because Jesus founded it here, and it's going to remain here until it's raptured. And when he comes to take us home, and at that time, we're going to be in preparation to be the bride of Christ. Now, none of us really understands what that means exactly. We'd like to, we'd like to, and some people elaborate on it, but nobody really knows. I, I love Jack Van Impey, but he doesn't know because that's not been revealed. There are certain things in Scripture that haven't been revealed. We know about them, but not much. But here's what we do know. When a bride-to-be makes a promise to the groom, she's no longer available to consort with others. I, I, I think we all know that. I think that's kind of expected, don't you? And the same is true with the church. In fact, our relationship as a church has got to change because we're called out from and separated from the world. That's what the church is, ecclesia. I remember a number of years ago, and I hope he doesn't listen to my messages. <laughs> I worked for a, a funeral home, as a lot of you know, but in, in this individual... Uh, not only owned funeral homes, but he also owned uh, a limousine service, and I drove limousines. And I, I did it briefly here when I, when I moved to town. Some of you may remember that. Uh, there was a company here in town that I ran into a guy, and, he, and uh, I was looking at his car and talking to him about it. And he said, you've done this before. I said, yeah, I have. He goes, you need to drive for me. That's what I did for a little while. But uh, here's the thing. <laughs> he would have meetings about if someone calls and wants a limousine service, you know, there are different types of services that you can sell to them uh, over the phone. And so, and then he, then he would tell us, uh, after we got finished with that part of it, he would teach us that this is how you guys are going to be paid. I mean, th this is what the fee is, this is what comes out of the fee, and this is how I determine what your payment is going to be for doing it. And so somebody asked him one time, they said, uh, well, wait a minute, what's this fee right here? He said, well, that's, you know, for the fee for maintaining the cars and things like that. And the room got silent. <laughs> and then he goes, well, when are you going to start maintaining them then? <laughs> and it was, there was this look of, like, loathe on his face, right? Because everybody knew that the cars had all sorts of problems. Okay? He's charging a fee, but he's not really fixing the cars. And it was a fair question. It was an honest question. And I began to think about that as I looked at this, and I thought, you know, we're, here we are saying we belong to Jesus Christ and we're obedient to His Word, and yet sometimes, friends, maybe the same question needs to be asked, but when are you going to start maintaining that one then? Huh? You say that you spend more time in the Word. You say you go to church on Sunday. You say that you pick, you know, and maybe you do. But friends, what are you doing with it then? Because just being there isn't the answer. It never has been. And don't, don't we owe God a little more than that eventually? Don't, don't, don't we owe God to be better than we are? Shouldn't we be putting into practice what we're learning? When, when pastors get together, I hate this about pastors. I really do. They'll say, how many are you running now? I think, really? Who cares? 
Maybe a better question is, how many people got saved on Sunday? How many people came to the altar because they're really seeking something more? How many lives were changed? How many people who were playing the game admitted that they were playing the game and, and before God said, I want to be better than that and I need accountability to do it? There, that's what I want to measure. Because to be honest with you, I've been in, in churches that were filled with people and I didn't feel the Spirit of God there at all. Zero. And I, it, 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 it struck me, it, it was painful to me. It was painful. Put on a good show, though. Man, and I'm not saying nobody there was saved. I'm not saying, I'm just saying I didn't feel the presence of God when I was there. The smoke machine might have something to do with that. I don't know. I didn't hear one prayer when I was in there. And I, 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 listen, and I'm not saying the people aren't praying people, you, you know? If, but if there had been some praying, I, I would have felt at least a little better that maybe they're seeking that. I, I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? You know what I love about when people, people tell me I felt the Spirit of God there when I was here. When someone tells me they didn't feel the Spirit of God here, <laughs> right? I'm, I, that, was, that would strike me as, man, Anybody? And you can't feel the Spirit of God if it's not being lived out. It's just not going to happen. There's a church in our community. I can't tell you who it is. But the pastor is really struggling. And they've gone through a couple pastors lately. And the pastor, through a series of events, just started breaking down and sharing with me. And the smile came off the individual's face. And said, I'm about done. And this is why. And the answer was, I can't get these people attached to the Spirit of God. It's like they're, they're attached to everything but that. I'm grateful I don't have that. I am. Because I believe you're seekers. I believe you want to be seekers. And if you're failed, you, you, you admit it and you move forward and you try to be better. I honestly don't get upset when we do certain events and I think more people should show than they do. I'm disappointed, I'll admit that, because I don't do it for my health, I do it for you and for him. Because that's what, we all should be doing it for him, yeah? See, but the problem with it is, friends, sometimes we're doing it because we feel better that we did something. God wants more than that from us. He's demanding more than that from us, especially in the world we live in now. You know what kind of world I'm talking about, don't you? We've got to be called out and be separated from the world because we're clearly God's possession, not the world's possession. And the ruler, well, who does this world belong to? The Bible tells us who the world belongs to. But if you're in that, who do you belong to? And we'll sit there knowing we're doing it and playing the compromise game and say, no, we don't. And God's going, yeah, you do. Because God doesn't really care other than the fact He wants you to belong to Him. It doesn't really matter who you belong to if it's not Him. You can, you can spin it in any way you want to. We know who it is. 
But somebody will argue and say, it's not that. But God said, if you don't belong to me, you have to belong to him. You can't belong to both. And unfortunately, many so-called Christians actually belong more to the world than they do to the kingdom of God. So you know who they belong to. Paul's clear about this in 2 Corinthians 6 and Titus 2. The world, the church is in the world, but it can't be of the world. In fact, too often the problem is that the world is in the church instead of the church being in the world. There are people and forces outside trying to take control of the church and they're getting in. They're trying to tell us what we can and can't believe, what we can and can't do. What we can and can't believe. And unfortunately, there's more of them outside than there is inside. Anybody seen that lately? Again, this is true physically because many people in the church aren't really Christians, even though they think they are. And it's also true politically and governmentally. Why or how? Because much of the American public wants the government to control the church. I hear it all the time. Separate the church and state. Separate the church and state. Really? If you really understood the Constitution, you wouldn't say that. If you really, really understood the Word of God, you wouldn't say that. And if you did, you would understand what it means. Our forefathers wanted the church to influence the government because God was in charge of that. They put their credence in the Lord God Almighty. They founded a nation on that. I can prove it to you. Anybody can prove it to you. Yes, somehow... Now they want to take it out. And how's that going for us? Not too well, I don't think. Taking God out of everything. Every time we've taken God out of something, it's gone downhill. Anybody with me? What happens when we take God out of the church, my friends? Because that's exactly what they're trying to do. So you can make the church anything you want it to be. That doesn't make it the house of God. <laughs> Might be a church because you're called out and separate from people, but... If God isn't in it, then it isn't the house of God. Amen? Too many local churches are losing their identity because they're not separate from the world. Let me give you an illustration. Ship in the water, that's great. All is well. That's the way it should be, but water in the ship, well, <laughs> friends, <laughs> there's imminent danger. Would you agree? And we better see that we have a problem real fast. Now, I heard a funny not too long ago. You've heard it said, where there's smoke, there's fire. Anybody? Well, somebody said, you don't need a smoke detector. That's what the fire department's for. You know what I tell them? Now you know how I feel. If you, if you think that's stupid, you know how I feel when you tell me I don't need a gun. I'm serious. You had to be prepared for what could happen and what might happen. We do it in everything else. Why wouldn't we do it spiritually? Huh? Because people say we shouldn't? Does God tell us in the Word of God, be prepared for you know not the time? And the devil's using good people saying, but you've got all kinds of time to prepare. No, you don't have that time. Because when it happens, it's too late. When the Son of Man comes in the East, it's too late. Who believes that? You'd better. 
Because you're not a house of God if you don't. We've got a problem in the church, my friends, and this is often evident by the way professed believers refer to the church or they want to identify it or how local churches pervert the, wa- the work and the worship of the church. You see, if we belong to the church of the living God, we better start acting like it and call out those who don't. And it doesn't really matter where they are. And it doesn't matter what church they go to. The Bible's the Bible, and as far as I can see, it governs every church out there. Doesn't it? So, when you tell me I should have kept my mouth shut when that girl says that her pastor said this, I don't care. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. But don't tell me that God, that God demands that. Because he's demanding an awful lot more than that, something that matters. Not what you're wearing. God's demanding that your heart belongs to him. And that he has absolute control and sway over it. And that you are trying Every, with everything in fiber of your being to get to know him on a more close basis and learn more about what he has for you as an individual and as a congregation. That is what God wants from us. That I can defend. Anybody? You see, friends, God's word and his commands are not flexible and neither is he. And no, his grace doesn't cover your compromises and it doesn't cover how you feel. That's the harsh truth and reality. I know people don't want to hear that. When I tell them God doesn't care how you feel, they get upset with me. I mean, God does care how you feel, but not when it's at the expense of your salvation. He does not. Who's with me here? Why does God keep directing pastors to say this? Because people are clearly not listening. But the church of the living God had better start listening because if it doesn't, there won't be very many people in it. I can, I can see that now. Let's move on to the last part. The house of God is the pillar and the foundation of truth. And th- this is, friends, this is, this, is, this is the whole gamut right here. Because obviously, if it isn't, then it isn't the house of God. For God determines whether it is His house or it's not. Heck, you can even put church of God on the outside of your facility. That doesn't mean it is. Because God has other means of determining that. When I, we built a home up in the South End area, over in Osceola. And as, I don't think it was luck. As God would have ordained, I didn't know who my neighbors were. I just liked the lot. I liked the subdivision, and we built there. And we did our house different than everybody else in there. Of course, that doesn't surprise anybody here. But here's the deal. When we finally moved into the house, or as we were finishing our house, the people next door were pastor and wife of United Missionary Church not far. And I was pleased, very pleased with that. And they were great people, too. They really were wonderful people. In fact, the day we were moving in, they brought over, I think, chili or something for us that day. They're just sweet people. And, and what struck me about him is on the bottom of his door, he had engraved, it was, a big, it, was a, it was a big brass piece, and it said, what Joshua said, that's for me and my house. That's for the Lord, yeah. And I thought, why didn't I think of that? You know? Here's the thing, though. He put it on his house, and I believe he, 
I, be I believe he believed in that. It wasn't on my house, but we did too. You see, it will be evident whether it's on the front or not. That's the point. But sometimes it's pretty good to put it there too. But if it's on there, you better live it. And God still determines whether it is or not. He determines what's in there, not you. He determines whether it is or not. And if the unadulterated truth isn't there, then it isn't a house of God, no matter what people call it. No, we'll come back to that. First, the house of God is the pillar and the foundation of truth because God says it is. And again, if a church isn't a pillar or foundation of biblical truth, then again, it isn't a house of God. God says that His church is the supporter, it is the defender, and it is the dispenser of His truth amongst the people. And every single one of us in here has got to determine if our church does that and if our house does that, whether it's our family or our individuality. But this is the house of God. Either this is the house of God, and this is the house of God, and this is the house of God, or it's not. Is this the house of God? I believe it is. Is my family the house of God? I believe it is. There's a few I want to choke here and there, but I believe it is. Don't worry, they're not here. <laughs> so don't be looking at them. Is this the house of God? I believe it is. But sometimes it hasn't been. Hmm? See, this is, this is what we're talking about. And if I attend a church that isn't the house of God, I'm not going to attend there anymore. And I have people in my house of God that aren't Christians that I better have a chat with them. And if there's things going on in my life that makes it not the house of God, then somebody better have a chat with me. And I better listen too. This is what he's talking about here. This is what Paul means by this. Are we the supporter, the defender, and the dispenser of God's truth among the people? Yeah, yes, I know that that's opposed to great responsibility. In fact, it's, it's a duty and a privilege. But remember, it's the pillar, not the pillow. A lot of people want to make it the pillow. And sometimes there's a place for that. I get it. I'm not saying don't have compassion. I'm not saying God doesn't. But it's the pillar. It never says anything about a pillow in here. It says pillar. That's what he says in the Word. It's the foundation, not the mattress. You hear me? That's because that's what he said. Nowhere does he talk about mattresses and pillows. <laughs> There's a place for them. I get it. But don't those things have to have the pillar and the bedrock first? Why? Because the ladder is too soft. And that's exactly another thing that the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to get us away from the bedrocks of the presence of God based on our feelings. Again, they have a place, but they're not the bedrock. It wasn't for Jesus neither, by the way. And yes, I can prove that. Everybody can prove that they want to. Here's another thing. I know that a lot of Christians want to believe that, but contrary to popular belief and wrong belief, 
the church is not the originator of truth. The church has never been the originator of the truth. God is the originator of the truth. We are to defend, support, and dispense it. You might want to write those three words down. We don't originate the truth. We don't determine the truth. God does. We defend, support, and dispense it in its entirety. That's what we do. God did not throw it out there and then allow us to interpret it to our own liking. I wish He did sometimes, but He didn't. No, the house of God defends, supports, and dispenses. The church came into existence by virtue of the truth that is preached, the truth that is believed, and the truth that is obeyed. Otherwise, it's not a church, and it's not the house of God. You can call it anything you want, but it's not. And you know what, friends? The church lives by being faithful to the truth, because when we're faithful to the truth, we're faithful to God. There's just no way to go around that. Doc Coker and I used to talk about this all the time. And you know what he would tell me? I say, how are we going to do it? He goes, I don't know how we're going to do it. Because people, people don't want to do it. People want to go by and, and, and you know, pull stuff out of the air that they think is Christian, or what somebody else said, and that's it. I'd like to prove him and myself wrong. The people actually do listen, and they are getting it. And we can do it. But I'll tell you this, if we do, God's going to have to really <laughs> get busy with us, and we're going to let him. <laughs> In the church, what do you think? Because the fact of the matter is, if we're not completely faithful to the real truth, then we aren't faithful to the true God. And I want you to think on that for a minute. Now, according to the Word of God, it's the church's business to maintain, proclaim, support, and defend the truth with all her might. And by the way, it's the duty of the church, not just the preachers, not just the board, not just the elders, not just the deacons or the teachers or whatever you want to put on people. It's the church. Because you know what? I could be here, and I'm here a lot all by myself, but I don't constitute the church. You do. There's a lot of churches without pastors. <laughs> and there's a lot of pastors without churches too. Because together we, we make the church. But the pastor could not be present. You still have a church. And what do you do? Just stop being a Christian when there's no pastor? You just stop proclaiming the word, defending it, dispensing it? If it's a true church of God, it's the house of God, you're going to continue whether there's a pastor in place or not. Because who's the church? Christians are. So let's finish this with this, this thought. The church is the pillar of truth. That's what he says. What, what, what truth? Because as far as I can see, we can make truth whatever we want it to be. And we have. There are people in authority as pastors and, and educators who are making the truth what they want it to be. And people are, are buying into it. And it's scary, friends, I'll tell you. 
I don't ever, whether I'm teaching at a seminary or a college or in a church or whatever I'm doing, no matter where I'm at, I don't ever want someone to come to me when I make a comment and say, does the Bible say that? I want to look at him without hesitation. You better believe it. You better believe it. Because that's how we know what the truth is. Now, you can have opinions about it. That's okay. But does your opinion coincide with what the Word of God says? Because that's going to be your key. And when it doesn't, or, or there's question, that's scary. Listen to excerpts from the Word of God. John 17, 17, and 2 Timothy 3, 16, 4 to 5, John 16, 13, 17, 8, and 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 13, and John 12, 48 to 50, Galatians 1, 6, 12, and Acts 20, 28 to 32. That's a lot of scriptures, but I put them all together. But listen to this. This is, this is un unbelievable to me. You want to know what the truth is? Sanctify them by the truth, for your word is truth. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching. All of it, notice he said. It is useful for rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Preach the Word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, they will suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you of what is yet to come. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. That's what these scriptures say. I put them together, but that's what they say. How, how do you dispute that? And you know what, friends? We know it. You read that, and you know that that's happening. You can see it. And you probably know somebody who's doing it, even if they don't mean to, even if they're meaning well, but they're misinformed, or they're not spending time in the Word, or their heart is overwhelming their brain. I know a lot of Christians whose hearts are overwhelmed their brains. Can't. Can't. Balance. God put them together. He created us together, yeah? Without a doubt, these passages testify to the obligation of the church that it has in maintaining, proclaiming, supporting, and defending the truth of the gospel, which is God's power to save the believer. That's what it is. No other body, no other organization has been charged with or placed in this position. Just the house of God, which is the church of the living God. And when we get to be too nice 
are too lazy, are too afraid to boldly proclaim and defend the truth against all enemies of the living God, then we're too nice to be what God wants us to be. And we're too nice to do the work that God requires us to do. And I think some people are too nice. I'm not telling you to be a jerk. What I'm saying is, what does God want from you? What does He want from us? Why is it, friends, that we don't have more conflict with the preachers, teachers, and believers of wrong belief systems? Why are we afraid to call it out if that's what the church is? If the church is called out, why are we not calling it out? Because they're not part of the church if they're teaching that stuff. They're not part of the church if they're believing that stuff. It doesn't matter what you think or believe. It matters what you can prove. And here it is. There's an awful lot in there that we can prove. You want, you, you, want, you want to know what the answer is? Because we're not challenging them as Christians <laughs> as the Christians of our past did. Now, maybe they got it wrong sometimes. And maybe they were too much of the church police. And maybe they were, they were legalistic. I get it. But I understand their fears now. I understand why. Do you? I get it now. I didn't then, but I do now. That's called maturity. They were wrong in how they did it sometimes. But at least they did it. At least they did it. Sometimes our Christian co-workers and friends ignore our challenges. You know why? Because they've learned that they can't go head-to-head -head in confrontation with the truth in open public debate. They can't do it. Because the Word speaks for itself. It always does for me. It always will for you. See, their argument's not with me, it's with, it's with him. It always has been. And they know it, too. They don't, they don't want to believe it, but they know it. And then they'll make an excuse, well, that's Old Testament, or that's... Oh. Does it matter? It's either that, or, they, or we don't know our Scripture well enough to hold the debate. <laughs> and we should know it better than we do. As our worship team comes... This is what I'm thinking. What a privilege it is to be a child of God by faith in Jesus Christ. What a privilege it is to be a member of God's family, His spiritual house, the church. And as children of His house, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Every bit of that is provable and written in the Word of God. And it may be that we have to suffer with Him and or for Him with the glory that He will reveal in us, according to Romans 8 in Paul. We are joint heirs with Christ because God has appointed Jesus as the heir of all things, according to Hebrews chapter 1. Our inheritance in, by, through, and with Jesus Christ is incorruptible, and it is undefiled, and it never fades away. It is reserved in heaven for us. Get this, according to Peter, who are kept by the power of God through faith into salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And I want to be the one revealed. You? And then I began to think about that. I thought, okay. So let us not forget the great responsibility that is ours as the house of God. Or the responsibility to suffer with the Lord while waiting for the end, friends, of our faith and the salvation of our souls. He gave us His all. Why can't we give Him ours? <laughs>